Welcome back to The Saga Continues, a podcast companion to the Hulu original series, Wu-Tang and American Saga. Hey, it's your host, King Tech. Here today, I'm talking to Estelle about her rise as a rapper and why Wu-Tang Clan is one of her favorite rap groups of all time. Catch up with the show anytime on Hulu. Let's go. This is The Saga Continues, where we discuss everything that happened in Wu-Tang and American Saga, now streaming on Hulu. I'm your host, King Tech, and today my guest is... Estelle. The beautiful <laughs> Estelle. The Thank beautiful. you. Yeah, I think you're the first female we've had on the podcast. Wow. And, and the reason is because in episode four uh-huh. is the first time you see RZA introducing like a love story yes. into this Wu-Tang Clan saga, yep. which is not... Normally, well, people think of Wu-Tang, they do not think of... Um, romance. Romance. <laughs> I mean, they might think of it when it comes to Method Man, but that's probably on the more like aggressive sex side. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> Method and his ghost face, and then, you know, anyway, keep going. Yeah, but so, like, so question, you watched episode four. Yeah. What do you think? Oh, my days. You know, I felt like it was a beautiful Afro Sheen commercial. <laughs> no, I'm I loved it. I loved it. No, I loved it. It was beautiful. Like, it was very nice to see, like, a more tender side of Ghostface and to see them just all be a little bit more, like, just you saw the emotional side of it more than, you know, more than just the, this is how we're going to get through. This is how we have to do this to get by and how we're going to get in the game. It was like, yeah, they, they were doing the other things, but also you saw their emotion, all of the characters, all of the rappers, you get to see them be a little bit more emotional, a little bit more like, oh, like real life things are happening now, right, you know, right, which is right. lovely. And now you, you've, you've worked with Wu-Tang members. <laughs> I have. <You> know, <laughs> I what, have. What is it with, with your with your love for hip hop, man? Because I it's like a rapper. A, um, I started as a rapper. This is like my soul. It's like, I started as a rapper. Like, so reggae music and rap music are like my core next to jazz. So it goes reggae, it goes jazz. It, it goes, no, it starts off with reggae. It goes jazz in chronological order of the way it gripped me, it goes reggae, it goes jazz, it goes hip hop, and then it goes gospel. That's an interesting <laughs> so order. Interesting, yeah. Reggae, then jazz. Yeah. Why jazz? Because my grandma used to listen to like Nina Simone and like um, all the jazz greats and stuff, and then passed it on. Okay, and hip hop. What's what? Because my what? uncle introduced me right around the eighties. <laughs> Around the eighties. Uh huh. Okay, so uh-huh. who's like your first rapper that you? Um, the, the, first was De La Soul. Okay. Um, now, were you in England or in the US? In England. Okay, okay. Well, actually, tell a lie. The first record I bought was De La Soul. My uncle put us on to like um, Cool Mo D, Daddy Kane, Big Daddy Kane. Um, uh, who was who's the one that um, Rakim, Eric B and Rakim. Rakim separately, just in general, he was like such a fan because he just thought he was suave like Rakim, right? Right, right. Um, and then it just, it just, you know, all the popping rap eyes since Queen Latifah's Moni Love, it was like, you know, as the West Coast took over, Ice Cube, Yo Yo. How big was Moni Love. Love in the UK? Huge. Was she the first? Big, she was the first big time big crossover. Time? Yeah. First crossover set the tone. You know, right? So like that to me, she was like the only one we really like messed with, like her and Queen Latifah, like for real, for real. That was it was it was okay to listen to them in the house. They weren't too crazy, right? And they said positive things. It's a house full of women for us, for me growing up. You know, it's my grandma, my aunties, my mum, okay. my uncles, and then we're out, right? But the kids stuck around with the women at home, so it was like they were the ones that we were all right to listen to. Um, and then it was like, you know, in between all of that, it was reggae, it was some, you know, 
But then, like, that's when my love started because my uncle would break dance and he, like... Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's the yeah, order stuff. Yeah, my heart right now, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm an ex-break dancer, man. See? So, so what was he doing? So you, he was... You, you, can you name the moves? I cannot. But no. I do know... I do know pop looking, spinning your elbows. Spin, like, we used to try spinning on our elbows. Spinning your head. Spinning your knees. I was good at spinning my knees. Now, I wasn't good at, like, the when you are on your hand, hands on the floor and you running around kind of thing. Uh, like oh, footwork, yeah. Footwork. Uh, I wasn't good at that because clumsy, too lanky, it's wrong body proportions, I think. But <laughs> but funny. it was definitely like, my mum stopped us from like break dancing by telling us, okay, and we were into breaking, right? Right, right. The film, you know, oh, she oh. and all that, we were a little too young for. Okay. So my mum was like, nah, but breaking came out. Right. And some turbo and ozone were okay. the gods, right? Okay. I don't know what that girl Lisa was doing this stuff. Yeah, that's like, locking. Girl, that's locking. Yeah, locking, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's yeah. what she used to do, locking in ballet, and it was weird. Anyway, point being, we used to want to really break dance. Right. And was it Turbo spin on his head, like with the with the red headband, like the red shirt. Turbo yeah. was the the dark skin dude. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yeah, she told us he died spinning on his head to stop us from doing it. <laughs> and I, I was like 36 when I found out he definitely didn't die. I don't think anybody's ever heard this story before. Oh. Have you ever said this on radio before? <laughs> that you, somebody told you that Torbo died so you stopped head spinning? My mom, she lied to us to stop us from head spinning. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> we laugh now, but she was like, well, you, your elbows were getting black and your knees were too and I didn't want you to like crack your necks trying to, your little necks trying to. It was just too much. Oh. But we were fearless, you know. So, what was your like first rap that you wrote down? Oh like, what level goodness. was it? It was, it was. Do it you remember? Can you bad? What was it? Do you remember it? All right, the first rap that I really was proud of. Okay, can you spit it, please? I spit a little bit. Okay. Is that model hot verbalist who murdered this? I hit you up with lyrics that be too hot. Superfluous, this lady's person is. What are you saying? You ain't heard about me. You ain't heard around me like I'm here to smash up NCs. Ah, well, so that's a, I, okay. I can tell you. Um, <laughs> I can tell you right now. You listen to some some Coogee rap. Uh huh. Some Kane. Uh -huh. Some Latifah. Uh huh. I, I, maybe I, Moldy Love was that. <laughs> that was like was that like a combination? Because that's that that's that that. It was exactly. And it was like reggae. So the beat that I remember, that it was my first, I was proud of this one. There's a record called Domestic Science. And it was like my first for real, like I got bars, raps. Um, and I had to essentially like me and two other girls. And it was like, I came in after work. Like I had literally got the call, yo, come down and do this verse on this record with this DJ from London called DJ Skids. And they called me and were like, yo, come and do it. And I was like, I'm, I'll be there, I'll be there. And I remember writing the verse on the way in the bus and like finishing off the verse because I didn't know when they were going to call to do it. He sent me the beat or gave me the beat on CD and I remember thinking, oh, let me just finish it. And I went down there, finished it off and I went down there and I like I had my work clothes on and they'd already did their verses and I was all nervous and shit because I was a new rapper. Right. At the time, them girls had like two years, three years in the game and I was like, well, I'm officially going to try now. Okay. All right? Okay. And, um, I think I bodied it and didn't know I bodied it. Right. <laughs> right? But they knew. They knew. Yeah, they knew. <laughs> All the dudes were like, yo, did she just come in on the third verse though? Like, right. you just like murder everybody? I was right. just like, ah. Because I could sing too. So right. the melody part and the, you know, and the, the breath control was a little easier for me, I think. You know? So were you like the UK Lauren Hill? This was this was the this was the quote. <laughs> did everybody keep saying that to you? That, they did for a very long time. They still did that make you mad or no? Did you like Lauren? I did love you... Lauren. She made it okay for us to sing and rap at the same time in the way I did it. 
you know and people didn't question it it's like a door i never look at when people compare as like a like a shooting it's more like no like they opened the doors for us they allowed me to walk in a room and people not be like so what's this singing rapping thing you do you know people like oh she i know that i know what that is this is a different version of it Right. Oh, you like Lauren? Well, I'm me, but it's nice that you think so. Thank you. Right, right. You know. Now you've watched episode one, two, three, and four, mm-hmm. correct? Um, there's a scene in episode three where they're battling on stage. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that episode? Where now with your your sequence of events of of yeah. what's your recollection? Because this battling thing now is is around the world now. Yeah. What was it like for you in those days? Do you remember anything about battle? <laughs> yes. like, did somebody I get tired of you and challenge you one time? It wasn't like a, a, a specific challenge more than it was like, it was like, I definitely would go up and, and battle or be like in the cypher and like I'd have bars eight to 10 written and then freestyle the rest. And like wait, wait, wait. I was always tiny, tiny bit, tiny oh, bit, yeah, tiny oh, bit, tiny bit. The phone's tiny. ringing. No, the phone no. doesn't. Don't talk about the balance. No, <laughs> I'm not is really. Is that your manager in here with <laughs> the? No, no, no. See the bell went off. No. What is his name, man? Because he's texting from. The, I see him texting. <laughs> no, no, this is my bell. It's my front door bell. Like, uh. oh. <laughs> Do not talk about the battles. No, no, no. I used to be good at like not battling, but I just had like bars for anybody. Kind of thing. What? But like, I wasn't the person that was ever going to be like, you and your mom and your auntie. Like, there were so many people that were far better than me. Right. Skinny Man was one of them. There's a guy called Fallacy. He was amazing. Um, Scheme and like, all these guys I grew up with, they were like, Jester was dope. Um, these There's so many. I'm just thinking, there's like British rappers. And like, they were so far better than me at that. And there was like one or two girls, but like, they never really carried it on. They would do it and then be like, eh. but I carried it on, and I, you know, and I made songs about people and this one. Okay. I'm going to ask you <laughs> about a few MCs and I want I want you to um, oh, tell me. Uh, so I'm going to ask you about Rakim, mm-hmm. Kane, mm-hmm. Cool G Rap, mm-hmm. Nas, and who else could we throw in there? In your opinion, who oh, God. had the most influence back then? Who was the gre- greatest in your opinion and why? We're talking legendary guys here. Legendary guys in in my era. This is like the this is the I'm talking about eight, like late eighties right late 80s. now because the nineties you got to bring in Tupac and Biggie yeah. and uh, well, actually Nas I guess is early nineties. Yeah, but so, I mean he kind of resonated. He was like that in between, right? Um, yeah, he nice. came like really late eighties, um, uh, eighty nine, like I think he too. Uh, 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 halftime was out, yep. and then barbecue came out or something, yep. and then everybody was like, "Yo, this it's like dude 90, is like 92 with Nas." But what do you think? What do you think between Big Daddy uh, Kane? Big Daddy Kane was the most influential on you or no, the, the cross hip hop. I think at that point across hip hop, because even more than Rakim. Well, I think Rakim was his predecessor. No. Rock him? No, they were all. They, they were at the same time. They were close to the same. time. They released around the same time. Because here's my thing. So I feel like Rakim. I think Rakim held it down for this for the street and crossed over. Right. Right. I think with Big Daddy Kane, it was like cool. I got bars, but I figured out the sex symbol and the branding shit, mm-hmm. and that's what did it. 
So like everyone wanted to, you knew the room was going to be lit if it was a Rakim show, right? And he right. had the hood down. Right. Did and you ever go to one of his shows no, in, in the UK? No, I was too young. Oh. I, go, I went when I was older. I've been when I was older and that was just like, holy shit. Well, did the place go insane? They go insane, right? Consistently, like young to old, it didn't matter because we knew he was essentially one of the, the gods of like rap that we came to know, rap that we come to do, right? But to me, it's like I look at it from the, the world perspective. Actually, no, they, they, they were kind of neck and neck. I just know that Big Daddy Kane had like the the push over the ledge that right. that we hadn't quite figured out with Eric being Rakim to a degree, right? And then there was two of them and one of him, you know. Yeah, that's true. That I, I give you a little piece of hip hop history because I me, went doing this for like you know, yeah. and I see you're like a hip hop fan. <laughs> I, I, I like you because it's like you got that energy. Like <laughs> we can exchange this info, so I don't mind sharing this with you. <laughs> I've interviewed uh I've interviewed like all of these OG dudes. Like when we wow. first started doing radio, Sway and I, yeah. I was like, I don't want to just do radio and not know what the hell I'm talking about. Right. So ninety one, I went to New York, met Fly Ty, who owned Coach Chillin'. I was right. like, tell me the big daddy Kane story. Right. Come over tonight, I'll give you the whole breakdown of, of that. Okay, man, and now I gotta meet up with Eric B and yeah. give me the give me the So this is the illest story. Um when Eric B was going around New York looking for MC, because somebody told Eric B, look. You're a DJ. Right. Do this record. Yeah. Go around every borough, get uh-huh. an MC, and do a mixtape. And by you'll blow up. So he went everywhere he went. Right. When he got to Long Island, Rakim was late. He waited, 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 waited. Rakim finally shows up, and he plays a version of Check Out My Melody. The, the version was one hour. That's a long time. The cassette, because at that time, when you made a beat, yeah, you just like had you, a loop, you right? had to, you, somebody yeah. would have to, you know, so... He said, man, I sat there. It went through the whole 30 minutes. And then, you know, remember the cassette used to come out mm-hmm. and go flip? Yeah, yeah. And the other side used to start? Yeah. 60 minutes was Rakim's Check Out My Melody. He goes back to Marley Marlin and says, man, I got this dude that's ridiculous. Marley's like, man, you know, whatever, bring him over. He brings uh, Rakim over. And I validated this with Rakim because I want to know the truth. Right. As Eric B was telling me, I'm thinking, maybe there's this. Uh, mm, so they go to... um. They go to Marley's house and, and Rakim is sitting back like this. Cause being Rakim. <laughs> being Rakim, right? And then um Marley comes in and goes, All right, man, you know, this is Marley Marl now, the yeah. biggest dude at the time, yep. right? Uh, all right, man, get up and rap. He says, Excuse me? Nah, bro. He said, get up, get up and rap, man. Let's go, let's go. Cause at that time, everybody was like LL, you know, like run yeah. DMC. You had yeah. to stand up and be like, huh. And do the you things, know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, with the arms and all and then Rocky right. was like, I ain't got I, I could just do it from here. Yeah. He's like, man, you're not gonna stand up for for Marley. And he's like, nah, I'm not disrespecting you, bro. Ooh. I just don't need to stand up to rhyme. I just, my rhymes are not like yelling and, and yeah. whatever. Marley gets mad. Goes, man, f this dude. Wow. He leaves. Shan is in the room, and Shan goes, well, I, I kind of know how to work this stuff. Let's record something, which is why the echoes are so loud, because he didn't know what he was doing. That's why he's like, check, 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 check out my, check out my melody. Check, 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 check out my melody. You know, remember that? How like loud Holy everything was what? So I see Rakim. I'm like, is there any of this true? He's just looking at me, smiling. Like, how, how do you know this, man? Nobody was in that room. I was like, bro. Because I, I went around. down there. <laughs> I went everywhere trying to find, Holy you know, what shit. the truth was, yeah. man. And I, I just felt like Rakim 
just that style and being right. late in the pocket was mm. brand new because everybody in that time was um yeah. LL Cool J is hard as hell on the yeah, one. Yeah. And yeah. Big Daddy Kane was, yeah. you know, come get some, you little yeah, bum. Uh, I take uh, the cake, uh, but you can't uh, get yeah, a crumb yeah. from the poet. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything was on the one, two, three, mm-hmm. four, I like that. You. I feel you. And this dude came out with like, you know. Swagged uh, out. Swagged out. Swagged out. Like, yeah. I don't even know if it was on purpose or was bad recording at this time, but it was like. His personality, I've seen him since. I've met him like twice and I've seen him and it's like nothing changed. Yeah. Like. One, he's so fly and laid back. Two, the whole energy's still like just right. just me leading to the side of the mic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah. three, he's still fine. It's just like, oh my God. He's, <laughs> like, still, yeah. he's still fine as hell. It's very like nothing changed. It's crazy with Rakim. I think he's he a little right. too skinny though. Like you he's think? making me nervous, man. No, nah, that's just grown. That's just when you get grown and you you naturally slender, you lose weight. You lose weight. Yeah. I don't know. All right, I'm gonna leave that one. We're going with that. We're going with that. He's yeah, fine. We're we going with that. Yeah, yeah. So, in your opinion, um, yeah. what Aww. did Wu Tang do for hip hop around the world? Man, this is deep. So again, and I look at this from like. Well, we just talked about the five like greatest MCs. Right. Let's talk about, in your opinion, are yeah. they the greatest rap group of all time? Because we got to put in NWA. We gotta put in Public Enemy, and Ooh. you were you were probably in the UK mm-hmm. when Public Enemy was at yes. their peak. I've, I have when I they have were like London, with, with Chuck, and I have worked with Flavor Flavor. I've been on, the, I've been out here as an opening act and an observer to everyone yeah, right. on my come up. So like, like I've seen it from like firsthand a lot of different eyes and MCs, and it's just like yo. Same thing, Public Enemy open up with them at one of my first festivals, and they let us come on stage and rap. And Flav Flav was like, yo, Lauren. I was like, first of all, Flav. Lauren. <laughs> I was like, bro, come on. But he was like, no. And then so they were lightweight, just like testing me. And then I get on stage and I start rapping. And both of them stop and they just looking at me like, who is this? What is What's happening? What is this? Right. The whole crowd is listening. My, it was a whole thing. I remember that festival. It was fun. So that was a good little. So NWA. Oh. Uh, Public Enemy, mm. uh, with a Run DMC, yep. uh, greatest rap groups of all time. Jeez. Who else? De La Soul. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Tribe. Uh, Tribe. Oh, my God. So in okay. my opinion, Wu-Tang got to be one, two, or three. What's your opinion? Who? Are they the number one rap group of all time? Uh, and I And I say this. I'll, I'll okay, what, are the, what? Give me two tent poles to judge this by. Longevity. Longevity, and that's the, but th- that's think about it. it. Yeah. As a collective, yeah. the amount of units they have sold, yeah. is probably seventy million units <sighs> between Method Man, yeah. Ghostface, mm-hmm. RZA, Jizza, mm-hmm. you know, over that, old dirty bastard. Over that, you know, I say over that. As a collect, yeah, exactly. Yeah. As Wu Tang Clan, they had a double CD that went double platinum. That means like, Unreal. that's like. Eight million sold or something. That was unreal and unreal at the time. Yeah. So, in your opinion, are they should they be because they should be considered? From what I understand, they, they can still sure tour considered. now and sell out uh, arenas in like Germany. I'm like, yo, in I don't the, know. in between when they went like when no one when they were like in between records and whatnot, they would break off and like. I remember being in London and it was like, on my come up, it was like I opened up for Jizza and Inspector Deck and Master Killer. And like, 
And they were, again, it was like, yo, holy shit, like I'm opening up for Wu-Tang. This is crazy. And packed. It's a tour. Right. Front to back, wherever we went. Packed. Right. And they're not, they're doing their records on top of the Wu-Tang hits, on top of rec, just like back to back, to, like the fans are fanatic. They are one of the greatest of all time. The fans are fanatics. The fan, and, and they were smart because it captured, for the first time, it captured the Asian market, which no one really looked at other than just, oh, you know, Hong Kong and Japan, like they're very good at like copying the styles, but like it captured them because of, you know, the mm. all the Kung right. Fu references. And right, like, right, it was right, like, right. yo, Asian culture is, you know, it was, it was something that we never, I grew up, again, something my stepdad used to do was like be into Chinese, you know, at the same time. Kung Fu films? Kung Fu films. Okay. Not Chinese, into Kung Fu films. And Bruce Lee and, you know, and, all, and it was just like, you never thought, to put the two together, music and kung fu, but like black folk in the eighties and nineties did, eighties did, mm -hmm. and that was that's what we grew up on. But you never thought, oh, put that on a song, right. <laughs> you know? You had the, right, right. you know, like all the background, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. all of that stuff, like in the background of the records, and you used to do it, right? But then when the beat dropped, it was like, oh, like it was uh, like, oh, my. it was a whole, yeah. So they so they merged the culture. What do you Ooh. think? Who, who, is the, who is in your book the top? If, if it's not Wu, who is it? It's got to be Wu. When I look at all around, it's got to be Wu-Tang. Not because this is the podcast, but real life. Because I'm looking at everybody else. It's like people broke up. And for all intents, I'm not sure if we were still fully, fully together by all members. And obviously, rest in peace, ODB. But they still, if they were to put on a show with at least four to five members, it would still be... Act. Yeah, like Incredible. no one would yeah. miss a beat. They'd rap all the missing members or whoever wasn't there's right. lyrics. Right. Da down to freaking what's the name? Takitha? The singer? The singer <laughs> oh, Takitha? Oh, yeah. Who yeah. is like listen? Yeah. Uh, oh, all that I got. Right. That was iconic. Da, 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 da. Hard. She was the best. Da, I love da, her. Da, that was such an Hard. ill record, man. Hard. Who comes out saying Wu Tang motherfuckers and makes she, it into a smash? It made hit. sense. It made sense. Them Wu and, yeah. and RZA was being criticized at that time for sampling so much that I, I remember ninety seven he changed his style a little bit and started mm -hmm. to produce. He was like, I'm not paying all these samples again. So all of a sudden, the beats changed a little bit. It wasn't terrible. <laughs> the beats weren't terrible. It was, all ama it was amazing. <laughs> no, the, the guy is, is no. a necessity is the mother of invention. Yeah, no, yeah, he's he's incredible. So. Now let's talk about the, your mm. your top five said, producers <laughs> of all time. Oh, jeez. So I'm going to give you some names. Okay. Jay Dilla. Mm-hmm. Pete Rock. Mm-hmm. DJ Premier. Mm-hmm. I got to throw Kanye West in there since you work with him. Mm-hmm. And the RZA. Can I add sixth? Yes, who? Havoc from Mob Deep. Havoc from Mob Deep. Okay. He's right. one of the illest. He's people, he's under like... He had that, and this is like completely randomly unrelated, but he had a soulfulness to his stuff that you knew it was him. Okay. And like it was, it was a Queens thing. It's just, just completely left field, but he's one of my favorite producers where you hear a bass line or you hear, you know, it might be a sample sometimes, but like he just had a, a unique way of bringing warmth, if you know what I mean, yeah, to yeah, hip hop. Yeah. And a sound that was distinctly, that was distinctly his. So Queens. you're right. Every, every person we talked about had a sound. Yeah. Pete Rock, 
has a sound. For sure. Premier, Premier had a sound. sound. Yeah. RZA had a sound. Uh-huh. Well, we left out Dr. Dre. Oh, I mean, yeah. That's like, so, that goes. It's kind of like, see, this is when you start putting the top fives and you start giving the Mount Rushmore versus, like, right. we talk about this often, Mount Rushmore versus right. front seats at the Apollo. Right, <laughs> you right. You know, right, you do right. between front seat at the Apollo to, like, Mount Rushmore. And it's like where everyone goes up in yeah. that chain. And it's yeah. like, oh, there's so many. Well, I think I, the reason um, I, again, since we on, we talking about Wu-Tang stuff, I, I, mm. I've been battling this for at least 20, eh, about 15, 20 years. Yeah. Sway and I's favorite favorite producer early on was a guy named Mantronics. Huh. And Mantronics did Needle to the Groove. Mm-hmm. And he did he did a lot of stuff with Tila Rock. He yeah. did a lot of stuff. And we were just amazed by how he could put so much music Mm. into a little sampler and manipulate the sampler to make it seem like you had a 10-minute song and a Mm -hmm. 10-second sampler. Then Marley was incredible also. But what I think what made RZA special was that we all had the same damn records. He was sampling, but he would find these little... And it was Michael Jackson. Thank you, baby. I was like, what is happening? Yeah. Like, Stevie Wonder sample. I I was at an event and DJ Spinner was playing it and right. he played the beginning. Right. And right. I was about to be like, ooh, baby. And then they started playing the Stevie Wonder record and I had a whole meltdown. I just stood still like, yeah. are you serious? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's his genius. That's that, yeah. his genius. So go ahead. So, so in your top five, who would you put in your top five then? Who's Give me the, right. give me the order. All right. So you got six. All right. So six. <laughs> So six. All right. So I'm about. So you talking about Kanye when he was this level? Or okay. Kanye? Okay. Because you, it's like it's like it's it's levels and and like I have to put them in rows, right? So like top 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 of all time Mount Rushmore, it would be Dre, Premier, um, Pete Rock, right. um, uh, who else? Who else? And hold on, who's the fifth? Who's the last person we just said? Not Havoc. Dilla. Dilla. Right? This is what everybody did in their own spaces across the United States and across the world. Then it'd be a whole nother tier. Okay. <laughs> and that's where you get Yay, and you get Swizz, and you get Havoc, and you, you know what I'm saying? Like, and you start running down those guys. So let me, let me, you started a, a label, correct? I did. Okay, let's say your label is 1992, 93, <laughs> oh and you have to bring two producers with you into the studio to do your album. And name same same producers, same yeah. guys we talk about. Who's the two you bring in? Oh my days, this is hard to tell. <laughs> I ain't gonna say two producers. Two producers do the whole album. This is before Lauren comes out. This is your this is your chance oh. to show the world. Nah, she can't mess with me. Okay, 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 okay. Because I sing and because I rap and do all the things. Jerry Wonder. Oh. Because he's incredible. That man can play anything. Okay. And he also understands real beats, and he also understands country music, which is my whole test of a record. If I can sing that to country music, I'm good to go. You sing that to a guitar, it's a hit. Like you can play ODBs, shame on a nigga who tried to run, game on a nigga. You can play that on guitar, it's gonna happen. That's how you know it's a classic. Um, And then probably, oh, it's hard. Oh, sheesh. He said, Premier. Oh, uh-huh. why and why Premier? Because that. he's another one that understands all the musics. Mm. And he understands all the samples. And he knows where to pull. 
Like he, you gotta understand. Premier the gangster. He also did Christina Aguilera. Crazy. So like, crazy. Would we? You know what I'm saying? Like, did you ever get a here? chance to meet Guru by any chance? I did. Uh, another one I opened for in the UK. I, like I've opened for everybody. <laughs> for everybody. <laughs> everybody. Whoever you not open for? <laughs> Fifty set. No, I've been on stage with him too. Crazy. Uh, it's too much. Oh, let me stop. Um. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, I was really rapping my behind off and doing my music when I was over there. So when you hard. met Kanye, was it did you like I I need to hear the story of yeah. how you now you've been recording all these years. Yep. You're famous in the UK. <laughs> and, and famous no if you open up for a public enemy. Well in the rap scene it's one thing and it's you know, it's still very like niche at that point to a degree. Okay. You know, but you know, it was you know, you you're you and you open up for them, but everyone came to see them. So like your sound messed up, you whatever, but you still and they're paying attention. They're like, oh, let me find out. It was this little, right? You know, so they knew about me, right? But then I had put mixtapes out, and I would, you know, you follow the example. You sell them, you do your thing after the show, and that's what I did. So you know, they saw me hustling, working. So you came up to them and like bum rushed them, chased them. Nah, somebody gave you a tape. No, no, no. At the point when I was started to open up people, I was given a couple good shots. Like people were like, oh, you should have this girl. So they would call my manager at the time, which was like the homie, and was like, yo, we wanted to come open up when you can't pay nothing, but get her there. And I would do it, you know? And then after a while, it started to pick up, and then we started to record more music, and yeah. And so they would call, oh, yeah, like, they think, they know you're known here. And then sometimes he'd be like, oh, there's this girl who's really good out here, you know? Well, how did you get his attention? I mean, he was kind of big at the oh, time, Kanye, too. Well, Kanye, I didn't even meet him there. I met him here. Okay. At Roscoe's. At Roscoe's? <laughs> Chicken and waffles. <laughs> but look, I was trying to meet John Legend, so also that. <laughs> but like, it's not everything I say, I would say nothing happens without reason, right? And everything right. happens for a reason. Everything's on purpose. Because I literally was, I had this feeling. I was like, yo, I heard John's voice on the, um, what was what's the mixtape, the first one they came out with? Get Well Soon mixtape. Okay. And I'd been following Kanye through the, you know, before through the wire. And I was like, okay. So I heard the Get Well Soon mixtape and I was like, this guy's voice is magical. I just have a feeling we're going to do something really special. Every time I would hear his record, his voice, I would get goosebumps. And my dude at the time was like, you really, really focused about this? Like, you, I said, trust me. And he's a rapper too. So we were both like, I was like, no, I promise this you. At, this is at uh, Roscoe Chicken? Nah, this is oh. like three weeks before I met him. Okay. And so I had the mixtape on repeat. So I go to LA okay. to work on my mixtapes. I was working with Corrupt, Dad. Corrupt? Yep. Oh, that's my homie, man. And uh, what's what his name? The Barge. El <laughs> Barge? No, not El. No, his uh, older brother, James. Chico, James. Oh, James. James. Okay. I was. Funny story about that. I was working with James DeBarge, Corrupt Daz, and Thayard as a producer. Um, Ooh, yo, man. And I was like 22, trying to just Ooh, get on. Man. I was out here. I was getting you, it hey, done. You about to get your own documentary <laughs> movie cracking, man. I know, you right? with <laughs> it's deep in the game. Oh, but I was working with them on some my first demos to get my album done. And we went to Roscoe's. And I remember being like, walking up there thinking to myself, just listening to the mixtape and then I dropped it off and then I went down the street and they were sitting down there and I was like, holy crap, it's Kanye. And I ran outside and I was like, God, if you're there, please let him come outside so I can say something to him, something. And literally, as I said, amen, he walks outside. Yo, I said, thank you, Jesus. Is- Yo, what's up? Hey, I'm a fan of you. Where's John Legend at? 
Where's John Legend at? Uh, That's what you said to Kanye? I bet you said that. Yo, I'm a fan of you. Where's John Legend? I really like his voice. I really want to work with him. <laughs> and he was like, what's your name? And I was like, I'm Estelle. You know, some of my family and them from like London, you know, so solid. I just did a song with Method and I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, a song with, um, oh, freaking hell. What's the name from uh, So Solid? Oh, goodness. Mega. Mega Man. I had this record out called Free with Mega and they were cool, yeah. And it was just a whole... So I was like, I had a song with Mega, and he's like, Oh yeah, then my guys. I was like, Cool, cool, cool. I really want to do a song with John. I really want to do a song with John. Where's he? Can I talk to him? Was he getting offended by? Because that's kind of no, weird. He was a little like, Oh, that's right. like meeting Bruce Lee and saying, Where's Chuck Norris? Pretty where's, much. Where's Chuck Norris? Where's Chuck Norris? Is that? Where's Chuck Norris? Pretty Bruce like, much. Come on, me, man, I'm Bruce Lee. But he was more what well, this that happened to so that happened, and I was like, Oh, that's nice. Oh, uh, what? What, so, what did he say? So wait, so he's like, Yeah, take my number, come to the studio. So I'm like, bet. I look at it like, whatever happens, I'll be able to handle myself. I'm a grown up. I've been hand, been around dudes like this forever. I'm not a groupie. I know what I'm doing. So my homegirl goes with me to the studio session. And I was like, yeah, you just got to wait in the car, bro. Because like, you just going to be out here grinning too much. I already know it's a wait in the car. She's grown. She's older than me, but she's whatever. So I go in the session and he's like, come walk with me. And I was like, is John here? I'm like, he's oh, like, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. He's still on the John thing, okay. Wait, I'm like, yeah, is John here? And he's like, yeah, 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 he's just in there. I was like, cool, bet. He's like, so we walked down the hallway. I was like, so what are you doing? What's going on? And he's like, I'm just here recording. You know, like I did something for like Idol and now I got to record this kid. It was a light-skinned kid with little afro. And it was something like a competition. And he's like, yo, see, you know, you, you do a competition, you get a song with me. Something like that, he said. And I was like, oh. And he was on a scooter too. So I was like, this is extra corny right now. Right, right, <laughs> I'm just trying to get to John and get this damn record that right. I had written that I needed his voice on. Right, on. Right. And I was like, oh, okay. So is he in there? Like, what are we doing? Right, right. And so he's like, yeah, come on, come on. So we're sitting in there. He didn't introduce me. John's in the booth. The artist is outside. And so we go in and he's singing. John's singing something. And he's like, something missing, something missing. I can't hear that. I was like, you missing this note? And I sang the note. And then the dude was like, yeah, turn that shit up. I was like, he's at drums. Like, it's already in there. He's turned it mad low. I was like, all right. <laughs> and I just sat down real quiet. So John comes out. And I didn't know it was him. Oh, no, I just thought, because he said it was some this kid. And he just grabbed the kid. So I'm thinking John's the light-skinned kid with the little afro. Right. And it, it's just blowing my mind that this is actually. So me and John are sitting there talking about computers. Right. I didn't realize it was. I was like, yeah, I got that Mac. He's like, yeah, this is and we go back and you forth. You didn't know it was him? Nah, because he looked different. I didn't, I've never seen John. I just heard his voice and he doesn't <laughs> talk like he sings, right? Oh my God. Man. At that point, he don't talk like he sings. Right. And he, me and him just going back and forth on some nerdy shit. Right. And then I say to Ye, so like, is he here? He's just right there. I was like, oh, my, hi. <laughs> We've been having a 20 minute conversation about right. Apple Macs. Right. But and they might have uh, liked you more because you were just kind of like this. I wasn't with it. Yeah. I was not in with the, I was not with the shits. Yeah. As yeah, say. yeah. <laughs> and so that after that, it was like, well, look, boom. And I was like, no, look, I have to go. My homegirl's in the car. My friend's in the car. I have this record I want to do. And I played it. I said, well, it's on this CD. Boom, boom. Take the, take the hard drive, take the CD, whatever. It was a CD I gave him. So me and him exchanged numbers. And then after that, it was just go. John was like, nah, that entire, you not about, you look, you work hard. I did my asking my questions about, you know, whatever. I'm about to do my deal. And I was like, that's nice. You doing this record for me or no? <laughs> I didn't care. I just loved his voice and I wanted his voice on this record. It was my first album that was coming out. And he, I just felt like he was the right person. And so after that, he did it. 
he came to London. He I would open up. He was like, yo, open up for me on the tour. And I was like, bet. Cool. He's like, you know, again, can't offer you no money. I said, it's fine. I got a label. They can pay for it. We good. <laughs> and then so I did. And 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 then me and him, he just saw my hustle. He saw my consistent work ethic. He just saw me busting my ass, put the band together. Like he saw me working. You know, when the label stopped supporting it midway through, he saw me put my own money in and I got it done, you know? And he was like, so after that, four years later, we're out here trying to do the second album. I say to him, so will you exec produce this for me? It's a big deal. It's John, he just won like 25 Grammys for his first album. He's selling out tours. He's killing. And I'm like, yeah, like produce this second album for me. The label go, who is John Legend? I said, y'all out of your living minds. He was on my first album and he just won like 500 Grammys. Please let me go off this label. And they were like, and they, and they tried to hold it. And so I went to him, I said, yes, I'm going to leave the label. <laughs> he was like, word? I was like, yeah. He said, well, I'll sign you. I was like, go back. And that's, and they took three years to discuss it, got me out the deal. And American Boy came back two years after that. So he set it up for you. Mm-hmm. He's co-signed over here. Wow. But his whole thing was always like, yo, you're going to win. I'm just here for the ride. <laughs> he said, you're going to do great. Because I see how you work. Right. I'm just here for... To support you in any way I can. Man, I that like, is an awesome story. Wow. It's a long story. Wow. <laughs> wow. I went out to Kanye and said, I want to meet John. Woo. Okay. So, yeah. um, so that's also, how that went. I also read that you had a, um, it said your parents had a pretty epic relationship, right? Yeah. And I'm, so can you explain a little bit of that? Because it's like, somehow yeah. your parents keep coming up in the conversation. I talk to people like, ask her about the parents, the parents, <laughs> the parents. Well, it's their love story. Their, their whole, my parents' life has kind of like affected my life in, in a really, um, in a, in a music-based way. Like, there's so much I've done because it's almost like, to a degree, for my parents' approval. But also, you know, like, um, you do what you know, and that's my whole theory. So my mom and dad met, short version, had me and my two sisters. Very confusing time. There were different people involved on both sides. And essentially broke up, got broken up, and then got back together 20 years later, then got married 10 years after that. And so threes come up a lot in my life too. Like they broke up when I was three, they got back together when I was 23, they got married when I was 33. So it's a lot happening with the threes in general. So are you <laughs> numerology at all? Uh, all of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. So, I, yeah, so yeah, okay. Yeah, I know you feel that. me? Yeah. Trans, um, transition change and all of that stuff. So it's like a very, you know, but their whole story, like, it like inspired this last album. I started writing this last album, Lover's Rock. And it was like repeating. And I was like, yo, I can't keep doing these songs that I've written before but these songs that I've written before, that songs that I'm writing now over experiences that I'm dealing with and these experiences I'm dealing with sound like the stuff that I did when I was with my, you know, when I was younger. And so it also sounds like shit that like my mom did. Wait, I'm repeating my mom. Hold on a second. Only I don't have her kids. Only, but I'm doing the same thing. So it was like I realized a bubble, like mind blown, a bubble went off. Like, yo, you're repeating patterns. And you need to not do that. But the story, the love story is epic. The way they found themselves and the way they found themselves back together, it's like that true love exists and what's going to be is going to be. 
How did you know? it happen? I mean, how do you break up with somebody for so many years, come back? It's called Twin Flames and Soulmates. <laughs> and, and remarry again? Yeah, so you real. saw the whole thing. You saw the fighting era. I saw, saw I remember the, being three when they broke up. I remember so specifics. Remember, no. Remember, oh, you do remember. I do remember specifics. Like, I remember my, the last time I saw my dad, I was like three, four. I remember when he left, the last time he, I saw him at the house. I was three. I did this thing where I used to like, Project myself out of myself and look at myself. That sounds weird. Um, but in my mind's eye, I would be like, oh, and then it's weird. Um, so you remember him leaving? I remember him leaving the house. And then I remember seeing him when I was like four outside the school, like across the street. So he came to see, came to see us. Yeah, right, but right. he wasn't allowed. They lied to him that they had like, there was so much stuff going on. Um so much like families. I have a whole documentary I'm about to put out about the story. Uh, really? okay. Yeah. But it was a lot happening. And when I look at all of my patterns, all my songs are love songs and, you know, essentially love stories. And I was just like, yo, these stories are repeating and they're not saying anything different. Your dad was trying to be a part of your life, though. But For a couple being, years. Was, <laughs> and then he, he was, was like. pushed back. Yeah, to a and degree. And then he finally was like, you know what? I'm I'll good. see her when I see her. Essentially. When she's older, because this is going to. Drive me crazy. Pretty much. Is and that what he told you later this on? Is the, well, this was the version that I kind of gleaned. It was like families, like somewhat. Is it like, eh, I'm trying to explain it. So in our, in, cult, in African culture, it's like we're, um, we're very strong and prideful, especially with the women, you know? And my, like, coming from like generations of hurt and like, you know, energy and, you know, all that stuff. Like my grandma didn't have the greatest upbringing to a degree and then you know she was an immigrant in the 50s and 60s in the UK and then my granddad wasn't the greatest so they separated but they never divorced my granddad my grandma my granddad wasn't was quite abusive 100% so there was all like family and generational hurt going down and then my grandma had like a bunch of kids a bunch of girls three girls um and they had their into stuff that my grandma didn't do her best in helping to move along right mm-hmm. Um, my mom and her sisters had their stuff and essentially it was like my mom lucked up and found this amazing dude and you know there were no men in there and nobody had ever seen a real positive relationship so it was kind of like well he's not doing the things that I think you should do and I'm jealous that you got this and yada yada so, so they pushed him out they pushed him out but then also on his side he was dealing with he was doing a bunch of fuck shit essentially he had a girl that he didn't like that was just family you know, family wanted them to be together because she was West Indian too. Right. And well, we've known her for the longest time and well, keep right. that one, whatever you're doing with this African girl. So it's infighting in the most ridiculous way. So it was like Romeo and Juliet to a degree right, <laughs> when right, you right, really right, think right, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Romanticizing it. Right. Um, but it was very like, when I looked at it all, I was like, I didn't know any of that. I just knew that these two people were too, like they were broken apart and I heard different versions of the story. But the kind of men I kept dealing with in my life was based on rejection and, you know, like me not seeing my actual dad. So when they say mother and father issues and stuff like that, that shit real. Um, and, you know, so a lot of the songs and a lot of the pleading and the begging and whatnot and some of the songs in the Love Me Please records and, you know, on my first album, I realized where it came from and how I was able to sing with such conviction. But then I was still writing those songs 10 years later. Mm. And that's when I realized sums up. <laughs> yeah, so I was, uh, I was so like, was, hold yeah. on. <laughs> you should be evolving, girl, and you're not. You so know, your dad came back into your life when he he came back at thirty three. 
No, he yeah. came back at 23 and they got married at 33. And I talked to him and I said to him, how, what took you so long to like get married to her? He said, it wasn't me, it was her. I've been trying to marry her. I was like, Ma! Oh my God. <laughs> we had a conversation and then everything went open. Right. Oh, so you found out some stuff you didn't know that your mom was holding back. Exactly. On. Ah. So, you know, it's mother issues and there's daddy issues, and I feel like I've worked my way through it with this album. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm a 70% good girl. I'm just having to learn some new patterns right now. Right. But it's this album's been like a, oh my goodness, it's been like an overhaul. So what did your parents think uh, when you're topping the charts in like, what, 2008, when uh, it's like you're the biggest thing happy as in hell. the UK? Were they like, happy as hell. is this you for real? Proud of me in ways I didn't even know. My mom was like, my mom and my dad, they're young-ish. Like my mom like 2 chains. My dad like Lil Wayne. Like that's their what? favorite rap. That's their favorite rappers right now. Like that's their vibes. And like they're young in that sense that, you know, they had kids young. So like my mom is 50, no, she's 58, 59, oh, 59 now. She's about to be 59. And it's like, she's not, she's not really, she's not really, she don't look it. She don't act it. You know? She acts like 32. 38. She <laughs> acts like 38. Like, no, I'm just out here. I'm out. Yeah. I had all my kids. Yeah. I'm young. <laughs> you right, know what right, I mean? Right. But she's not out on the streets, but she might put on a frock and be like, I'm going right. to the club with my daughter. No, you're not lady. Like sit down. But she was definitely at my, at my couple of my album releases, like, I was dancing on the table. I was like, no, go over there. Don't stand in front of me while I dance on tables, ma. Go over there. Oh. She's like, yeah. I was like, no. This is how, did, how did it feel to you to, to have your parents so proud of you like that? Though? Oh, it was incredible. Like, I cannot front. It was, it's the, it's the best. When I look back at it, it's the best time ever. Because I think to myself, well, one thing she said to me that always sticks with me was like, I think it was like 23. She said to me, hey, man. You're going to do, you, I trust you. You do what you say you're going to do. I know you'll be fine. Whatever happens, you'll be fine. You do what you say you're going to do. I trust you. And I was just like, oh. What about to your sisters? What she said? I don't know what she said to them. <laughs> I don't <laughs> trust y'all. I don't trust y'all, but this uh, one. No, she never said. No, but the relationship with me and her, I was, she was 19 when she had me. Wow. Um, so me, we grew up together to a degree, you know? So it's a different, I've seen a lot of the things that she dealt with. And well, so, look, I mean, it seemed like you've been through a lot. <laughs> I feel like this is a Dr. Phil moment. Like this is, we, we nah, just, we, it we goes lot, there, it goes we, there. We, you needed your own documentary. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Riza, so if funny. you're hearing this, we need to get her script, Come on. write this down, uh-huh. and, and make Let's sure that it. you get your own uh, mm-hmm. Wu-Tang series Let's part two it. or something. Let's do it. Chris Robinson can direct. Let's go. Come on. Now let's talk about yep. your last question for you at the charity. I mean, yeah. it's, so what I got from you is you've yeah. been through a hell of a lot of shit in your <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, it's, like, it, uh, this was nuts. Like I thought this was gonna be fun. <laughs> no, no, this is this. Well, the yeah. thing is, is that yeah. what um, again, Sway and I've been through a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me to do this, I was like, bro, I don't want to just ask people regular, you know, yeah. hey, questions. questions. I want to yeah. find out, you know, like something yeah. that nobody knew or something. So this is all like brand new information for me. Yeah. But the last thing was is that. I know when you get involved in charities, people mm. that do that have usually been through some shit themselves. Absolutely. Because if you, you're like, look, I've been through hell and back. Let me help. I've made it. <laughs> Let me help. Let me help somebody else who's not, I don't want them to, see, you know, just it gives you a little peace in your heart to yeah. know your success yeah. and is like, you feel like angels have been watching you Amen. and blessed you through your career. Exactly you seem like a beautiful person, man. Thank you. Like inside, outside, it's, it's. Yeah. 
And it's funny because um, mm. when I fir- first met Lauren, it was like mm. they were. She was about to get dropped. This is a crazy story. I got a call from uh, what was her name of her, like Columbia. Yeah. Tech, I need your help. They're about to drop the Fujis. What? They're dropped about to because whatever you can do to help, man. And I just moved to LA. That's nuts. So I take the Fujis into a little studio. Yeah. And this is funny, man. I, I don't know if I can say this on on, but, but they <laughs> it's cool. Uh, you they good now. They, they, they they're good now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you know, I I felt like after you know they did um because the radio station was like whatever you record, mm. we will at that time, man. If you can just get airplay, yeah. you was the shit. Right, right, right. And I was like, look, f- like whatever y'all do, f-, and they brought Nas with me. Now I was the biggest Nas fan, so I was like, listen, Nas. Me and Sway started a show in L.A., wake-up yeah. show. I just need yep. an intro for it. Mm-hmm. The Fugees didn't take it that serious. Right. They were like, yeah, let, uh, hit, yeah. Hit, hit, hit play. Right. Yeah, we're here in L.A. just chilling with Sway and Tech, mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. are going to get mad respect. And mm-hmm. that's how, And I'm like, Nas I was, had the pen. He was like, let me write this jingle. Let me, yeah, oh, let me write yeah. this thing. <laughs> Turn it up. It's the novelist Nas, the marvelous boss, and Barbie. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's like, you gave me some bars. Oh, my God, right? But then um, it's funny. I had a 10-minute conversation with Lauren outside the studio, Mm -hmm. and she had the same energy you had. And I felt, I was like, she was so young and special. And I was looking at her, and and for a second, I was like, my God, man, this girl has (laughs) like the potential to be like, I just Mm -hmm. saw it. And they, they were about to get dropped. Crazy. This is how crazy this was. That's how that goes. And, and I just told the label, I was like, bro, I don't know about the dudes. But, but the girl. <laughs> but that one? But the girl got mad because even the stuff she was messing around saying was yeah. better than what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yo, uh, whatever y'all do, keep the girl, keep man. That one. Keep the girl. Keep <laughs> the, the Gemini. Girl. Keep the Gemini. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and then so the guy was like, are you sure? And then they finally came out. I think Salam Remy did a remix yep. of Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. Can I get a date on Friday? Friday? And then you're busy. So the record started to blow up. And the next thing you know, they didn't get dropped. And they started to kind of blow up until everybody realized. But that was pretty much unanimous. So anyway, going back to you, I feel that spirit in you. and is that So tell me about your foundation and why you did it. Well, the foundation, I was like 17 and I was in school and like as in college, right? So we go college from like 16 to 18 instead of like college for us isn't like in our 20s. That's what we call university, which is uni. It's just different names. You guys call it high school. So I'm in high school, essentially. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to do music videos. I wanted to direct music videos. I love music. And so I'm an, I'm an 80s kid. That, that's my, you know, MTV. My mom barely last watched it. So now I'm obsessed, right? And obviously, like, like I said, TV, music, it's breaking. It was all the shows. It was like any video I could sit there staring at, I would do it. I was like, I want to direct music videos. I want to, I want to do this. And... There was no directed music videos courses in college, right? So I'm on a mentoring. I'm in a journalism course, and I do. They teach us how to use cameras, do interviews, you know, everything around media. And so I do this course, and halfway through the course, there's this chance to go to the BBC and be on a mentoring course. I'm just like, cool, let's do it. I don't know what it is, but it looked good. Let's go. And my mum was like, yeah, you should do it. Do it. This lady who is essentially the doppelganger of my mum. She has six kids. But she was a high-level employee at the BBC, black lady, six children. And it was my mom, six children, home, struggling. And I just could, you know, it was just like the 
this could be my mum, but but this could be me. You know what I mean? And my mum was like, go, do it. Yes, this is amazing. This is great. Go to the mentor course. And so like I learned so much from her and I took the, my mum took the, gave me the energy of it takes a village. You wow. know, my mum was never shy about the family and everybody helping to raise us. And it was like, oh, there's another black person out there helping us. Great. Go, go help. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it was a community effort. And so I learned from her and I feel like she was a, she was like a pivotal person and just my changing of my outlook of where I could go. She was she was a head of human resources. She was a black lady. She looked black. She wasn't out here. She might have had some rollers in the night before, a roller set. She looked like my auntie. And it was like she would turn up. She'd be like, yo, you turn up on time. You look people in the eye. You be confident. You know what you you know, it was like things that I wouldn't get at home. She gave me professionally, you know? Conjugate your verbs. It's not in it. It's not, you know what I mean? It's like explain yourself. And I was just like, my mom would be trying to tell us that, but get frustrated and be like, oh, these fun kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this lady had patience with us. Right. And I was 17. And so to me, mentoring is key. To me, it's about showing somebody where you can go instead of just saying you can go there. But you know you can do that, right? It's like showing them how to do it, being the example. So we start the Mentoring Foundation. And I've been, my thing is now it's, it, it's, it's a space where I can just raise money to be able to help people. Um, or put people in a position to continue their job. Continue so are you the job of mentoring. College kids that are struggling, high school kids that are. Oh, how do they reach Any, you? How anybody. Do they come to you? Well, we had a foundation. We had the foundation side. We, the, when we started a few years ago, we took some kids from Watts to Senegal. Because to me, travel is important. Right. Like I got to travel from a very young age, early. My mom was always like, get out of the country. What was that going. experience like? Watch the synagogue. Watch the synagogue. I couldn't. I think they had a good time. It was the last year of President Obama landing in Africa to discuss trade with Senegal, and it was one of the kids' 16th birthday. They'd been there for two weeks at the time that we were leaving, and it's like one of the kids' 16th birthday. He saw President of Air Force One land, and we were getting on the flight to go back. And he, I was like, "Yo, that's Air Force One." He was like, "I said, in your 16th birthday, fam, what they gonna tell you?" Like I was like hyping him. He's just like, "Yo." Like it was just, you could see his mind just like, yo, I am out the country for the first time and I am just turned 16. Like his whole vision of his life expanded at that point. And it was, we took them out there on some, you're going to go and build a a library in a village. You're going to get to just kick it. You're going to get to eat and experience how other people live. And you're going to get to just broaden your worldview. And, you know, but in order to do that, we put them through a course, like a leadership training course. But to me, there's nothing more amazing than being in the space and living it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like I was not scared to just be like, I'm going to go live in America, but, <laughs> you right, know, because right. I got to do that early. I was right. never scared, you know? So what, like, what is the name of your foundation? All of Me Foundation. All of Me Foundation. Named after my second album. <laughs> All of Me. Okay, so yeah. if they want to donate to it or, or how do they reach you, you contact e- you, how do they Right do now it? you can email Estelle at est1980.me. Slow down, Estelle. What? <laughs> Estelle at est1980. At est1980. What? Established 1980. <laughs> oh, established 1980.me. Okay. And we'll give you information on on where you can help and how you can donate. Because my thing is this, it takes money to push it along. Where yeah. we set up our programs and it takes us a while to set up the programs, in the interim when people donate, we just give money to people who are actually doing the job on a day-to-day basis. So we support other foundations and we support other mentoring groups. You're an amazing human being, man. Uh, be. this is a, 
Oh we tried to be. Man. We tried to be. I'm going to no. wrap it up on that note. Okay. <laughs> but this is one of the greatest interviews I've ever done, man. No, this is amazing. You. So this thank is the you. saga continues <laughs> where we discuss everything that happened. Wu-Tang American Saga, not really. I'm now so, streaming on Hulu. Yeah. Uh, I'm your host, man, King Tech, where we hey. bring uh, artists to tears. And that's what we do. <laughs> Somebody's going to start crying, whether it's me or her. Uh, but that was amazing. Uh, Sway has said nothing but great things about I'm you. I'm so grateful. And Let's I do feel like if um, people actually gave you the money, I feel like you would it's, actually do the yeah. right thing with it, man. People have, and we absolutely do. I'm not, when it comes to young people, and I understand the position I was in, I understand how broke I was, I understand how broke my family was. And that little push, that little nudge in the right direction changed my entire trajectory. So I think of what we can help do, but anybody else, even if it's just a minute of encouragement, or their, their, their program they were in got refunded or, you know, something to encourage them to keep being what they know they can be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even if they don't know all the way what it is yet, just you can, you know? Uh, I'm, an, I'm a living example of that. So, you know, and then you got to thank Wu-Tang, you got to thank RZA for the business sense behind that for me. You got to thank, you know what I mean? Because right, he put right. like, bring it back to this. He put the perspective of the brand and the group and the team and the family you know, in our heads as rappers, it wasn't just about the singular eyes. It was like, no, nah, there's a gang. There's a crew. Right, and right, we ain't right, all, right, right. you know, so yeah. I love that. And we love you. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> Thank you for coming and being a part of this, man. This is one of the most incredible uh, podcasts, interviews, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, I've ever done, man. Thank you. Going to wrap it up right there, right. man. Till uh, next week, y'all. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>